0: Well, I think we are ready. You know, Romans 12 and verse 2 says that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And in this church, we're all about teaching people how to live their best life. And this morning, we are really lucky to have a life coach with us here to help us do just that and her name is Stephanie Noon. She is she is a, a qualified and accredited coach. She specializes in the development of people and teams. She has a diploma of positive psychology and well-being, a distinction in teaching character and creating positive classrooms. She's passionate about helping individuals to flourish, to unlock their full potential. She's worked with individuals, corporations, educational institutions and councils. She has regular segments on Adelaide's, Adelaide Radio's Mix 102.3 Breakfast Show and is also a consultant writer of magazine articles and blogs for health partners. Prior to establishing her life coaching business in 2007, she spent 15 years as a senior management, ma- Sorry, senior manager... ...in the area of marketing and communications. When she's not life coaching, her life is busy with four children... children—two of her own and two stepchildren who live with her. She enjoys competing in Masters Athletics... ...and taking hikes with her husband and dog. She is also an A-grade netball coach... ...and vice president of her netball club. She's based in Adelaide, South Australia... She's an accredited association coach within A, can't even say it, ANZI coaching, and also a member of the International Coaching Federation, International po- Positive Psychology Association, Australian Association of Cognitive and Behavioural Therapy, Positive Education Schools Association, and belongs to the International Positive Education Network. And if that isn't enough for you, She's smart, she's funny, she has good morals, she's very integral, she's great company, she's caring, she's loving, she's wise, she's positive, she has a great sense of humour, she's a good listener, she's a good talker, she's a great mother and I'm really proud of her not just because of all her achievements but most of all because of who she is and she's my sister would you help me in welcoming stephanie noon
1: Thanks very much. That's, Vic, this is so funny. Like We've been here, since we've been here, Vicky and I have teared up four times having a love in on each other and do, do that just as I come up too. Thanks. <laughs> was to.
0: Thanks. just That was to help you um, get started. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. Well, Stephanie is here today to help us with um, learning about how to set goals that we can actually achieve. And, you know, when I... Came to her and asked her if she'd be happy to do this. And I said to her, "You know, there's so many of us ha- that we write goals for the new year, don't we? We we think it's a new year. We've got a we've got a we've got to decide on something that we're going to try and get down pat this year. Something we're going to change. Something we're going to resolve. We always write down some sort of goals or have some sort of New Year's resolution. But I don't know about you, but for most of us, I think we often get to the end of the year." And we look back and we think, what have I actually achieved out of what I
1: actually wrote down? Is that true? So true. It is true. And I look, if maybe um, just as a quick you know, indicator, can you perhaps put your hand up if you have in the past set yourself a New Year's resolution or a goal at the beginning of the year? Anytime. So a majority of us in the room. So keep your hands up. Okay, so now... Just keep your hand up if you have actually achieved all of those goals that you've set. <laughs> See, there's not actually one hand left up in the room, which is really interesting. And it's, that's what I hope to share with you today is some tips and tools and really robust strategies that it will make a difference that if I asked you this same question this time next year we'd see a lot more of you with your hands still up. Yes, I, I achieved my goal. So, you, you, By the way, in case you're wondering, you do represent the norm. Most people don't achieve them. Mm.
0: So, Steph, would you be able to help us with some tips then that can help us actually achieve our goals this year?
1: Yeah, a- absolutely. Thank you. And thank you, I should have said um, in the opening, thank you so much for having me here today. I'm really excited and really looking forward to talking to you about this because this obviously is my passion or I wouldn't be a life coach. Um, So I thought maybe a a good starting place might be around areas that you might not have considered before. The main reasons why we don't necessarily achieve our goals is a lot to do with how our brains work more than necessarily the the physical things that we might do. So I thought I might start with tackling some of the headspace stuff. Um, If we know... The, ch- the challenges or the natural wiring of our brain that we're working with and we can understand that better, it gives us a much better chance to work with that space than, than butting against it. So I thought maybe a, a, a starting analogy around that, that space could be, you know, it, actually, are there any, is there anyone in the room that's run a marathon or a half marathon? Hands up so I can see there's one.
0: Hi. Good, Good on you. High.
1: Good on you. There's one in the room. Yeah, at least, at least at least there's some in the room that have run a marathon. That the, the analogy that I will draw with that is that, and I haven't, by the way, because I would think that would be silly for me. <laughs> I'm a sprinter. You've I like the short stuff. You've done a hundred Ks though. I have walked. I have done the Oxfam yeah. trail walker. Yes, that was a hundred Ks. So, when in fact, you know, whether it's the hundred K hike that I did or whether you're a marathon runner, it's a great. Um, way to understand how our brain works, that you would have all seen, I'm sure, um, someone near the finish line of um, a marathon. And although they've just run 42Ks and they're completely and utterly, I'm sure, physically exhausted, when they get somewhere near the finish line, when they can see the finish line, they start sprinting. Have you seen that? Like how, how do you sprint when you've just been running for hours and every piece of your body is spent and biologically your muscles are spent, yet you can sprint towards the finish line. And it's a, it's a good representation of the reasons why are, are several things, but it obviously has to do with um, release of certain neurotransmitters and, 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 and hormones in our brain that once you see that finish line, there's a shot of adrenaline that goes through your system that goes, I'm going to make it like I've you know you, you wonder you hope you wish all through the race you're never too sure is your body going to hold you up and get you there but once you see that finish line even if it's 500 meters away you know you're going to make it so you get this run of adrenaline you also get another thing called dopamine that lights up in your brain which is the good feel hormone it makes you feel excited ecstatic like whoa I've done this so you get this boost to to run when, when you're actually exhausted. The other thing is you can see the end. You, you know it's there. You know, like when you're at the 20k mark, you're probably just hurting and you can't see that finish at all. And it's, I imagine, I haven't done it, but I imagine that there's, it, there's some testing times mentally and physically during a marathon. I'm getting nods from the marathon runner. Um, so... As you, as you can see that finish line, it's become real. Your goal has become real. I am going to achieve this. So you've got the hormone stuff going on in your brain. You've got the realisation in terms of proximity to your goal. I'm going to make this. I totally know I'm going to make this. So your belief system changes. So I'd, I'd invite you to, to consider that analogy when you're setting goals that you can use a lot of those things to for the way our brain operates to help you achieve yours. So what that means is, in translating it into any sort of goal, is try and keep that, that proximity of the goal or the, the, the sense that it's achievable in front of you rather than it being so far away. So if, say, you wanted to lose 12 kilograms during the year, that's a lot of weight and it's going to take quite a long... Well, it should take quite a long time. I, that's a whole separate thing, but people that do it too quickly... ...tend not to keep it off anyway. Let's say you're going to take the year to to drop your 12 kilos. It's a long time away and it's a long time to stick with your goal. So what can help in terms of like our marathon story... ...is if you perhaps change that to being... ...I'm going to lose 2 kilograms a month for 6 months... ...something like that... ...or 1 kilogram a month for 12 months. And by making it a one monthly goal... ...and a much smaller um, target you've brought that proximity of the goal. It's it's in, your, it's in your vision now. It's not so far away that it's hard work. It's like, I can do a kilogram in a month. And can you see what I'm saying with, with bringing that, you know, chunking it down, bringing it back. Um, and the other thing that happens when you do that too is it becomes believable to yourself. You know, like you, we. there's a difference between wanting to achieve something and really believing you can and most of us want to, we all want to be fitter or lose that weight or um, learn that new language or learn how to play the new instrument. You kind of want to, but you have to really believe that you can do that. So if we make it believable, you're far more likely to stick with it. And, and a, a really interesting piece of research, actually, I've put um, on your table these circles, if you just have a look at those, and I know you can probably preempt this because otherwise they wouldn't be there, but if you had to guess which middle circle was larger or smaller, you're probably going to say the smaller one, the, the, the difference in size, and the smaller one is the one with the you know, big circles around it. And in fact, those um, middle circles are exactly the same size. But the reason I share this story is this is actually a piece of research. It's been replicated a few times. This was um, done with golf putting holes. So that middle circle was actually a, a hole that you were putting into. And what the researchers did is they projected lights around the, the putting hole. Lights exactly as that shows. Some, some projected small lights around it and some projected those large lights around it. And it gave the perception of a different size hole that you were putting into. So what happened was the people that were putting into the one that perceived now as a larger hole doubled their chances of getting it in than the ones with the small hole. Doubled. Nothing changed. The hole was exactly the same size. And what's really interesting is the people in the research even knew that the hole was the same size. But the perception overrode what, what they intellectually knew was, was overridden. Because they believed deep they could see. It's it's a bigger hole. I'm obviously going to be able to putt better. That's the same kind of stuff we need to apply when we set our goals. You need to see it as larger and you can hit it and it's achievable. So when you break the goal down and it's one kilogram in a month, that's a big putting hole compared with 12 kilograms in, in a year. Making sense? Makes sense to me. Cool. So... That's just, as, uh, you know, to help us understand how our brains work, that that, 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 that true and deep belief matters uh, enormously. Now, another interesting thing, well, I find it interesting, and, and, and I hope you do, I hope it's helpful, is that, and it will probably make sense, willpower is a finite resource. Yeah, yeah, see, <laughs> yeah, a lot of people, yeah, 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 I get that. So, for example, you... I don't know whether you did, but you may at breakfast time think, shouldn't really have the bacon, I'm going to choose the fruit sticks, and you can possibly do that a little more likely than if it was in the evening tonight and you're sitting on your lounge and you're watching TV and you really want that bag of chips and you just go, oh, stuff it, I'm having the bag of chips. Because our willpower, so a guy called um, Roy, Roy Bowmeister has done a lot of research in this space, and, and he's found that it's like a muscle. If you've been, if you've done a massive workout at the gym and you've absolutely thrashed yourself, and then you come home and you're going to think I'm going to move some furniture, it's going to be quite hard because your muscles have already been used up. It's the same with our willpower. It's a finite resource each day, so. When you, every single time you make a decision, every single time you exercise willpower, you're depleting your ability to do that again. So what we want to do... its interesting. It's amazing, isn't it? (laughs) I love this stuff. So what we want to do is reduce temptation so you don't have to keep resisting all day. Because every time you resist, you get weaker. So um, if if you're wanting to lose weight, get rid of the food in the house. That's a temptation. So you don't even have to resist against it. Um, and it's really, it's really interesting. If you want to just, just um, bring this to life even more, um, there was a gorgeous piece of research that Roy Baumeister did with. Um, it was in the American um, jail or parole system, and they looked over the year of one thousand one hundred people that were applying for parole um, to get to get out of jail. And what they found on looking back at it is that one third of the people that approached or spoke to the parole board first thing in the morning, 70% of those people were granted parole, the the third that went first thing in the morning. The third that went the last section of the day, 10% got granted parole. And what was interesting is the... The reasons for seeking parole, so three of them were from theft, from stealing, they were in jail. Same reason in the morning by the same person was exactly the same reason in the afternoon and he got denied bail and the one in the morning got it. Why? Because the judges are depleted of their willpower, they're concentrating all day, listening to the stories and it's an effort. It's just much easier to go, nah, you stay in jail, you know, by the afternoon. It takes effort to really think through a case. So... We, it's important if we remember that our willpower gets depleted during the day as well. So try to minimise the decisions you have to make. That might mean you plan your lunches for the week on Sunday night. And so you don't have to have to think about that in the morning. Um, and you also you take temptations away from you so you don't have to resist them. And then you keep your willpower there so you're still stronger at the end of the day. Yeah, good
0: one. That's interesting. You know Tink. what I was thinking then? What's that? I was thinking if you... I've heard so many people say that they've had a bad haircut yeah. and most of us go after work. <laughs> ah. I'm thinking if you get a haircut, you want to go in the morning, <laughs> not not at the end of the day
1: because they've had a lot of people... <laughs> Trust you to bring it to that. I <laughs> know, that's I know that's But that's bad, a perfect example. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Perfect example. Um, another thing is when we're... Um, Wanting to achieve a goal, we have one of two drivers usually. We either have what's called an approach or an avoidance reason for pursuing a goal. So we either want to avoid something we don't want anymore, like we don't want to be overweight, we don't want to be unfit. Or we want something else, so we want to approach something, so we want to feel fitter and stronger and healthier. Both are motivators for change. But what the science would say is the approach goals, are, we're far more likely to stick with them, they're more motivating for a longer term, and they actually attribute much more strongly to our overall sense of well-being. So if you are setting a goal, just reflect on whether you're trying to get away from something you no longer want and see if you can twist that to being, no, because I, I actually want to head towards this instead. And a little um, strategy that I love this and I would encourage you to, to do this one whether it's around goal setting or not. This, this seems to be such an affirming and positive um, little strategy that you can use. But if you write yourself what's called a future best self letter. So you write to yourself, from yourself, as if it was a year's time. So let's say, it's today the 10th, isn't it? Yeah. So let's say you would write... If I wrote it today, I'd write, it's the 10th of January 2017, dear Steph, and what I do is I write to myself describing my last year as if everything had gone as well as it possibly could, not unrealistically, I'm not going to write, I won cross lotto, I'm now Prime Minister of this country, which would probably be a better thing, Um, you know, you're not writing stuff that you you actually know isn't going to happen or is unlikely to happen, but as if Everything went this year as well as it possibly could. Just for you, as if, if everything went, everything went really well. What would your year look like? So you ri- I write to myself, dear Steph, I had amazing 2016. I'm really thrilled that I decided to uh, start seeing a life coach. <laughs> it's a little bit of a plug there. Now I, <laughs> now I'm you know far more on track. I'm really glad I started going to the hairdresser in the morning because I'm getting much better cuts. That kind of stuff. You write it as if it's gone as well as it possibly could um, and you detail what's gone well and why. And what that does is it draws us into this really optimistic and but believable future because it's not made up. If things go really well, that's where you could be this time next year. So you, you build this approach that I want that. And another little thing that kicks in as an aside, we have a thing in our brain called the reticular activating system. Anyone heard of the RAS? RAS is what? Chris, yeah, a few of you, thank you. Um, the reticular activating system, you haven't?
0: I have. Can, yay. Can I say I have? Eli? you, lying? you <laughs> never know.
1: <laughs> I don't expect you to have heard of it. The reticular activating system is like our filter. Um, you know, at any moment, you are actually being bombarded by thousands of stimuli, and if we didn't have a part of our brain that filtered out the bit we didn't need to be seeing right now, you'd, you'd probably implode. It's, it's a bit hard to take it in. So the reticular activating system is good at filtering what we don't need. But what happens... So if you've... Um, just an example of how it works. If you, say, have bought a new car... I don't mean a brand new car, but a car that's new to you. Say I just bought in... I actually did get a new um, Holden Cruise. Before I got that car... I didn't even really notice Holden Cruises on the road. But once I had a Holden Cruise, they're everywhere. That's the reticular activating system because it filtered before. It didn't need me to know that information. But once it knew you're interested in Holden Cruises, I'll stop filtering that out. I'll let you see it. So when we're clear on our goal by writing that big goal, that future best self... What you'll do is you'll activate your reticular activating system knows, oh, you need to see that for you to achieve your goal. I'll, let you, I'll stop filtering that out. So you just work with the brain to help you see it. How are we going? Good. I'm doing good. I'm doing a lot of talking. <laughs> Normally when I'm coaching, I, you know, it's, it's a two-way conversation. You going all right? I'm going all right. Okay. What next? Um, we It's really important that... Um, keep our focus this is pretty obvious but to keep our focus on the positive our brains have a natural wiring to be alert for the negative that's a survival thing you know we need to know what's wrong to help us stay alive so our wiring is always accidentally on alert for what's wrong so you're probably aware of this whether you consciously knew it or not because we latch hold of criticisms or bad things really easily. And we tend to not really own or, or or grab hold of the positives and the good things anywhere near as well. I, I've read once, I can't remember who wrote it, but I really like this. Um, they call it the Velcro and Teflon effect. So negativity is like Velcro. You know, Velcro just latches on and uh, I'll, I'll own that piece of negativity. And and positivity is like Teflon, it sort of hits and washes off, you know, it doesn't sink in the same way negative stuff does. So when we're looking to achieve a goal, and even if we've done the right thing and we've chunked it down to one kilogram in one month, there's a very strong likelihood that you're going to stuff up somewhere along the way. And that's okay. It's really important, though, not to, it's very easy for our wiring to grab hold of the one day of the 30 that I ate like a pig and beat ourselves up and berate ourselves and I'm a loser and I knew I couldn't do it and why did I eat that and I wish I hadn't and we do all that and we forget the other 29 days that we were great. So try to remind yourself as soon as you notice the negative thing, it'll happen because that's our wiring. Just work with it to go, oh, look, there's me using that Velcro thing I'll stop that thought now because it's not helpful and I'll focus on the other days that I did really well. And then that keeps you a lot more motivated and, and, and feeling positive. Um, and as a part of that, I spoke in the marathon analogy about the um, hormone called dopamine, which is our good feel hormone. So every time we do something that, that brings us pleasure or joy or satisfaction, um, we release dopamine. Dopamine helps us to feel good. The other thing that recent research has shown is that dopamine also helps set habits. So, what we want to do is leverage this understanding about dopamine with our goals. So, we want to celebrate little milestones along the way. Don't wait till you've lost. I tw- oh, sorry, I keep using this twelve-kilogram example, but it just I can be it's consistent. A, it's a girl thing. Yeah, it's a girl thing. Same as <laughs> the hair. So. <laughs> sorry guys. Don't wait till you've lost 12 kilograms to pat yourself on the back. Set up. What, what little celebrations are you going to have along the way? Um, pat yourself on the back each day that you ate well and ignore the days that you don't. And if you don't, by the way, forget that day and just start again tomorrow. It's, it's okay. What a lot of people do is when they've had a bad day, go, oh, stuffed. That, that goal's gone. It doesn't have to be it was just a bad day or a bad week. It's Okay. Um, anyway, so, so if you celebrate, um, then you create the release of dopamine. Um, so two things happen. When we feel good, we want to repeat that thing we're doing. So that is going to make you want to stick with doing what you're doing. And secondly, it helps to cement that habit. So it just becomes a part of who you are, not something additional that you're trying to do. So remember to celebrate your milestones along the way. Last thing to say about in terms of the mind stuff is... Now, philosopher um, Frederick Nietzsche said that he who has a why to live can bear almost any how. He who has a why to live can bear almost any how. So what you want to do is to be very clear about your why, but it's not an intellectual exercise. Well, if you do an intellectual why, like I, I want to lose weight because um, we've all read articles that it, it's important, you know, you're going to live longer if you do, that's an intellectual exercise. What you want to do is keep asking yourself why. Why do you want to achieve this goal? Keep asking yourself the why until you really unpack your emotive, emotional reason why. So I want to lose weight because I want to be healthier. Why? Because I want to live longer. Why? Because I want to be able to play with my grandchildren. Why? Because my family is everything to me that might be your real emotive reason. And when you've unpacked your emotive reason, you're a lot more likely to stick with your goal. So you remind... When, you, when you're losing track, when you feel like this is hard and it will be and at times, you go back and you remember the emotional reason why because that's your driver to keep asking yourself why, why, why and unpack it. That was a lot but of dumping. Sorry, No, no, is that's,
0: it? Right. no that's good. Um, I mean, I learned some things. You know, something that we say here... ...often, and you'll probably relate to this... ...is we talk about moving things from your head to your heart. And that's really what you're saying. It's, it, when, when it's in your head, it's the emotional reason. It's not, I mean, it's not the emotional reason. It's the, it's the thinking reason. Yeah. But it's got to move into your heart, which is where the emotions are. And when it becomes emotional, it's actually easier to work with... Yeah. ...and easier to stick with.
1: A- absolutely. And if I can just say on that... ...because that head stuff is very strong, as you probably know a little clue for you is whenever we feel an incongruency between what we're thinking and how we're behaving, that's when you know that the head stuff probably isn't the, guiding you well. It's, it's You sort of know in your heart when you're doing something that just isn't really congruent with who you really want to be and where you're headed.
0: Mm. And that, it's, it's fascinating to learn all about the brain and how it's wired and how it works and, and so on. Are there any... Um, practical things that you could share with us in terms of how to um, outwork that in our
1: environment? Yeah, sure. There's, so so that's sort of the headspace stuff. But yes, there's other um, you know, practical, um, everyday things that you can do as well. So it really does help if you have some visual reminders. So it's a little bit, you know done, but it it does, you would have heard this, but it does actually help, is you could put up perhaps a vision board of of where you're headed, like cut out some pictures, particularly if you're a visual learner. But um, very important though, don't put up something that's completely unrealistic to you. So say you want to lose weight, don't cut out the Miss Universe picture (laughs) and put it up there, because it isn't actually aspirational. It puts you off, because you you know you're never going to look like that. Well, most of us aren't. So it re- isn't actually aspirational. It actually works against you. So put up pictures maybe of yourself when you felt at your best. And I'm aiming for that again because you know you. That, that brings in that belief thing. It's suddenly believable. You know it's possible yeah. because you've been there. Yeah. yeah. So put up some pictures like that. Put up post-it notes. Um, visualisations. So this is head stuff, but the visualisations are really helpful. Um, again, with the wiring of our brain, we can rewire... New neural pathways, it's so exciting to know that our brains are plastic and we can rewire and reshape who we are. And doing that through visualisations really helps. So as an example, there was just a piece of research that came out recently, but with some runners, they actually measured the, um, the quad, around the quads of two groups of runners before they started training. And then one group... Actually, hit the training track for three months under a, a proper coach and really did a whole lot of proper sprint work. The other group visualised themselves doing that, and, and a proper visualisation. That's a whole separate story, but not just shutting your eyes and going, "Yes, I'm running." It's really immersing yourself in the in the moment. Um, and and at the end of the three months, they measured the quad size of the runners. And not surprisingly, the ones that went out on the track, their muscle mass grew by 34%, uh, 38%, sorry. Probably surprisingly, the group that visualised, their muscle mass grew by 24%. Now, not quite as much, but it shows the power of our brain when we believe that the wiring goes, oh, well, well, you're running, so I'd better lay down some muscle mass. So use use that to help yourself achieve your goals as well. Um, what else? The other thing is, it's good to have an anchor um, because when we're starting any new habit, it's it's easy to forget. It's not that you even meant to, for, you know, to to not achieve do your goal thing. If you're learning a new language and you you need to learn a new piece each day, it's not that you don't want to. It's just that you're not used to doing that, so you're likely to forget. You go to bed that night and you go, oh. I didn't do that, you know. So sometimes it helps, particularly when you're setting up um, a new goal, is to anchor it to something that you already do every day. So as an example, I'm in a, in a bit of a rehab program at the moment because I'm old and I hurt my knee. And um, I had to... I had a new... I've been doing this exercise... i as old as... Um. <laughs> no, <laughs> never will be either. <laughs> um. <laughs> um, so... I had I do these exos- rehab exercises every night, but the physio introduced a new one he wanted me to do morning and night, and which is just a, a hamstring curl thing. And I just forgot because I wasn't used to doing it in the morning. So you anchor it with a when then statement. So what you do is you I, what I did is I say when I have breakfast, then I'll do my hamstring curls. A when then anchor it to something that you already do. So you it, when I brush my teeth, do this one. When I brush my teeth, I'll do squats. That You can get an incidental exercise so easily, but you anchor it to something. You're already going to brush your teeth. So anchor it into that. When then? When I brush my teeth, then I'll do my squats. When I, just before I eat my breakfast, then I'll do my hamstring curls. That helps to build that reminder before it's a habit for us. Um, nearly wrapping up, because so I know you're sitting there so nicely and I've done a lot of talking, so last couple of points. Um... We have um, a guy called Sean Akers done some fantastic work on, this is again actually leveraging our brain, but it's called the 20-second rule. It's a bit like the, is it, people argue whether it's a three-second or a six-second rule when you drop food on the ground and you can pick it up. This is our 20-second brain rule. That two parts of our brain, we have the front part of our brain where the prefrontal cortex is, sort of just in, in our forehead, that's our executive functioning part of the human brain. That's the, um, the decision-making space where we make rational decisions, our rational thinking. Sort of deeper and in the middle of our brain is the limbic system and the limbic system is our emotional centre. Now, it probably won't come as any surprise to you to know that the emotional centre triggers faster and more strongly than the rational part of our brain, which is why we can sometimes say things we regret scream out in anger because anger triggers, it's a very strong emotional response from the limbic system and we'll say something before this part of our brain has a chance to even recognise that that's probably not helpful. So when the 22nd rule says that if you've triggered your emotional centre, so let's say you're really hungry and you're absolutely craving a Tim Tam or something,
0: No no one would ever do that.
1: (laughs) No no, no one. And that's the emotional centre. It can be quite strong. I'm sure most of you have experienced it. Like, oh, do you need to eat that chocolate now? Particularly when you're premenstrual, but you men probably won't know about that. Um, So you go... She didn't say that. (laughs) That probably crossed the line, didn't it? Sorry. Um, So you... The 22nd rule is if you just... If you had Tim Tams in your cupboard and you can access them really quickly before this part of your brain's had a chance to kick in, you're going to eat the Tim Tam. And then afterwards, this part kicks in and you regret it and you wished you hadn't and blah, blah, blah. 20 second rule says, if you have to keep Tim Tams in your house because you think you need to for guests or whatever else, put them somewhere that's quite an effort to get to them. It's going to take more than 20 seconds. So you might want to hide them in the Garage Up or in the loft in the loft. <laughs> have to get the ladder. <laughs> get nice out. and melted, <laughs> won't <weren't> they? <laughs> the rats have eaten them. Then you won't even want so, them. <laughs> no, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> so that, then you've got a chance, You give your prefrontal cortex a chance to work. So keep keep whatever your temptations are. Make them harder to get to. If you if you have to drive to the petrol station to get your Tim Tams, there's a very strong chance on the drive your prefrontal cortex is going to kick in and going to go. Why are you doing this? You're going to regret it in the morning. Just turn around and go home. <laughs> Whereas if they were in the cupboard, you would have just eaten them. So make things a bit harder for you to give your prefrontal cortex time to work. Lastly, and this is really Im- has been you know really important for me in my this rehab thing I was talking about. I could easily have lost sight of my goal and my dream to run in masters in April because. This injury was just um, very challenging to me. So the last point that helped me in this and I'm sure will help a lot of you is get a cheer squad around you before you start your goal. My cheer squad is always my family. Um, Probably in this case less... um, structured in the sense that I hadn't actually gone to them and said can you be my cheer squad but I recommend that you do when you start a goal get people around you and say this is what I'm wanting to achieve this year this is what I'm going to achieve this year I'm going to u- lose 12 kilos but I'm going to need some extra support so be there when I call you or when I text you and say I'm about to eat this Tim Tam here's what I need you to say turn around right now <laughs> That's right. before anyone gets hurt shut that door <laughs> close
0: it is it closed? That's it. You can, That's you can, it. You can you can you can use me. Yep.
1: So w- when I was going to go, this this rehab thing is just too hard. I can't do it. Mostly because I had some poor advice from a specialist. That my my cheer squad got behind me and said, "Don't accept that one specialist's answer. There must be another way you can do this. You you can do it. You you know how much you want to do this." And they got me right back on track. again. Oh, pardon the pun. Right back on track again. So. Keep keep a, a cheer squad around you, and it really does help. So that's probably the the main things I think. Yeah, I think. Just one last
0: question. This is it. Um, perhaps you could just share with us briefly. As time's ticking now, <laughs> is is there a way for us to set a goal, right? That's actually achievable for us this year.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, and that's the important thing is you need to actually write your goal down. It's not enough just to think this is what I want. Um, And there's a way to write it that's going to significantly increase your chance of achieving it because it incorporates a lot of that stuff that I've just been talking about when working with your brain. So on your tables there is um, an action plan. It looks like this. that talks about, you state your goal as if it's already happened. So you write it, it's the, you know, depending on how long your goal is, if it's a year or six months or two years, if you're saving for a holiday, if you want to learn a new language, however long you expect reasonably that would take. You write it as if you're at that date and you've achieved it. So it's the 10th of January 2017, so you write it in in that place like it's, you've done it and I feel so so this is where you need to include some emotion because this is the reason why you do it I feel so happy and proud or I feel so fit and amazing or I feel so educated and wise or whatever you think you're going to feel when you've achieved your goal and then you write what it is because I now weigh 60 kilos instead of 72 or whatever it is and I just there's a subtlety on that it is far better to talk about I now weigh such and such rather than I have lost 12 kilos Um, and there's something in our brain around losing something rather than that you know that approach goal rather than the avoidance goal so I now weigh 60 kilos or whatever it is that you would have achieved and then the why this is the important bit so now and that's that why that I was talking about that Nietzsche said you got it your real reason why now I'm I'm going to be around to play with my grandchildren or whatever your your heart reason is and then just chuck in another bit of emotion for good feel and I feel a million bucks or I feel amazing. So put in the emotion and put in the why. Um, the rest of it is just um, you know talking you through, consider what challenges stand in your way, consider them beforehand because when we wait till we get to a challenge and then we try and work out what to do, you're up against your... Uh, limbic system then. You've got emotion, it's very hard to be rational. So anticipate from experience, I know that I really crave Tim Tams. So when that happens, so while I'm in a, a rational state, I'm going to plan. When that happens, I'm going to message Vic and go, "Help, I'm about to eat a Tim Tam." Or whatever Shut it that is. Door. <laughs> put it down. She's put scary, it down. <laughs> so exactly. So plan what where you know you're likely to come unstuck and put some um, strategies in place to help you avoid um, getting unstuck. And what people and resources do you need behind you? That's your cheer squad. How will you celebrate along the way? That's to trigger that dopamine. Um, and how what, how, what will you do if you start to feel you're not going to achieve your goal? So you get that down before you're in that place and it'll be really helpful. And then on the back it's just about um, stating some actual actions that you'll take.
0: Now uh, also on your table there's a, a smaller sheet which is just... Um, some ideas on how to be happier in 2016 as well, which you might like to take um, home with you. And um, I I just want to really encourage you that... We're going to thank Steph in a moment, but I want to really encourage you to write something on that action plan. Uh, We're going to break in a minute and there's more breakfast available. Coffees will be available again. But I would suggest to you, right, Steph, that they actually... Write something down while you're here, right here and now. Because yeah. as you said, if you walk away, it's proven that if you do something about it right now, you've got far greater yeah. chance of actually...
1: Absolutely. The research says if you don't take action in this very moment, the chances of you doing it later are greatly diminished. So I'd encourage you just to... You, don't, you, don't, you, don't, you can change it and tweak it up, but it's but probably a good idea to get something down if you start. can. Mm.
0: And you're very happy, you'll be very happy if anyone wants any help just sure. to wander around and, and, and help them out with that. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Please, please yeah. ask, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. Um, why don't we just give Stephanie a huge big hand this morning and thank her? <laughs> so I don't know about you, but that has been very, very helpful to us yes. this morning. Right? People felt that? Yeah, absolutely. Steph, we have something for you. Um, just to say thank you. Thank you. It's been amazing. It's been amazing to learn those various things this morning, but it's also been an amazing time for me to share my sister with you. So... <laughs> Take advantage of her while she's here. <laughs> Take advantage of her and, and, and have a chat with her and if there's anything she can help you with, she will. Um, thank you so much, Steph. Thank you very, very much.